Hello and welcome to this special event we're doing here live in the admin bar today, Humans versus Algorithms, Who Are You Writing Content For? And I'm thankfully joined today by Abby Wood from the Content Lab, who is my fantastic copywriter and many people in our group's uh, fantastic copywriter. And uh, this is a, a discussion me and her were having on a Zoom call one day. I'm like, we really need to get into the admin bar and talk about this. Uh, like I said, Abby does co uh, copywriting for my agency. She also has done copywriting for uh, the the admin bars website and many folks inside the group um, she does fantastic work her team does fantastic work and we love her very much so uh, that's my intro for her. but Abby why don't I turn it over to you and let you uh, talk a little bit about yourself full disclosure I did not pay him to say that <laughs> <laughs> no but I get free content no I'm free just kidding content for life. <laughs> Um, yeah, hello, my name's Abby. Um, a lot of the watchers I already work with, so hello, lovely clients. Um, and others, hello, nice to meet you. Um, so yeah, my name is Abby. I am based in the lovely uh, town of Waterford in, in Ireland. Um, and I have an agency, a content agency that uh, white labels for digital agencies uh, across the world. So we have clients in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the USA, of course, uh, and the UK and Ireland. Um, and I have two lovely writers with me, uh, Riley and Kira, and I think they're watching as well. I'm not sure though, because I don't have Facebook loaded up. Well, let's give them a shout out. Yeah. Hi, Riley. Hi, Kira. If you're here, get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> no more dilly dallying. You got to get to work. And, and before we get started and before I forget, I think we have a special birthday shout out for your mom today. Why don't we give a birthday shout out to your mom today who's watching on the stream? Happy birthday, Mars! Tomorrow, <laughs> happy birthday! <laughs> Fantastic! I love how ultra professional our live streams are. It's perfect. All right, so let's uh, let's just dive into this and get started here. So the this topic came up, kind of talking. I don't know. It's like I, I just posted in the group. It's it's much more of a philosophical type question than it is like a tutorial. This is how you're going to sit down and write. Um, but let me let me give you a little bit bit of backstory of how this kind of popped into my brain and how we started talking about it. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, people started writing content on the internet back in the dinosaur days and search engines had to figure out a way to like present this content to people who were searching for it. So they came up with algorithms to do this. And because there's money and everything else involved in trying to get found in those search engines, people stopped writing for humans and they started writing to appease the search engines. And I totally get why that is. Um, but unfortunately, it's left us with a bunch of crappy content on the internet that's not useful at all. And I want to give you an example of this uh, to kind of kind of tell you what I mean. So um, a while back, we were looking for a new refrigerator. So I did what everybody does, and I got on the internet and searched for, you know, best refrigerators. And every article I found was from, you know, a one of the, like, uh, income niche site blogs, like top 10 refrigerators for your home, and it was just pumped full of affiliate links and you could tell they've never touched these pieces of equipment in their life. They literally wrote this article to like perfectly match an algorithm. It worked because it was the first result, but it was not helpful content at all. And it was super frustrating. And I found myself like going to the third and fourth and fifth page of Google, just skipping all the, the beginning ones because they weren't useful. And I had to find the useful content. Uh, so I think that's a, that's definitely a problem if you're producing content that's not helpful to people. So that's kind of where this, uh, this idea came from. So I don't know, I, I guess first, my question first to you is, do you see that happening too? Do you land yourself on articles and think this isn't helpful at all? Who the hell are they writing this to? 
Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I was recently looking up uh like some some you know the best dog food for like over eight-year-olds, you know, he needs the glucosamine and stuff. Uh, you know, and I was like, what is the best dog food for, you know, kind of dogs over the age of eight and stuff? And uh, literally affiliate links. And I was like, none of these, like I can tell you haven't tried these and you haven't like compared the ingredients and everything. I'll you gotta try the dog food. See, you gotta try it, you know. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was literally just like this isn't actually giving me the the content that I need, the answers that I need. So therefore, the content is useless. I don't think you know, kind of. I, I think I think there's a there's a big issue, kind of, because we're all competing on keywords and we need to get to number one. And you know, there's that whole joke of where's the best place to hide a dead body? It's page two of Google, kind of thing, you know. So it's just I think that for the last few years we've kind of forgotten why we're writing for the for you know kind of the end users of the internet which are people so you know kind of we need to be giving people the information that they're actually looking for and i'm just delighted that finally google is catching up with what copywriters have been praying for for years which is user intent so i mean kind of if if you're literally cramming keywords onto a page and it just isn't relevant to what people are looking for your bounce rate's going to go up and just like you're going to get penalized anyway so you may as well invest in some good content whether you're writing it yourself or whatever just make sure that you're actually writing it for humans screw the robots screw the robots <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, those are very good points and i was i guess part of it goes to the purpose of what you're writing for right so the people the the articles i was landing on that were just affiliate links and complete uh, robot mush i mean that's that's what they're trying to do. So I guess they're accomplishing their goal there. But I think about the, unless you're running one of those like specific niche income type blog sites, that's probably not the the kind of content you're going to want on your website anyways. And it is interesting that, you know, uh, we, we've kind of, we've kind of reversed who's chasing who now, you know, uh, between Google and, and people trying to write content and all that. Um, and it does seem like the people who just chase the algorithm are the ones that always get destroyed when there's some kind of big algorithm update because Google knows all this is happening. So it seems like, uh, if, if you want to play the long game, if you want to your content to be valuable for a long period of time over a long period of time, it's really about those fundamental things and writing good, good content. That's helpful for people that does that where the, the bot content, uh, seems to be the ones that get destroyed. hundred percent. It's, it's kind of like, I remember when, revealing my age here but i remember when like panda and penguin came out and stuff and everyone was freaking the hell out they're like oh my god my rankings are just gonna get destroyed and it's kind of like but if you were producing good content then you wouldn't be worried because like those algorithm changes are really kind of put in place to get rid of the spam content to kind of you know kind of get rid of like I'm going to say it, you know, the AI generated content and stuff is designed to get rid of that so that, you know, kind of you, because the thing is, how does Google make its money? By getting people to use Google. So if they're only producing crap results, people are going to get fed up using Google because they're not getting the answers that they want. And um, I did have a good point, but now I've forgotten it. That, that's a great point. No, I thought <laughs> that's exactly it. I mean, Google has to keep people using their service. So they keep they keep pushing these updates uh, to to push back on these people who are just trying to game the system. Um, mm -hmm. So hopefully that works in our favor eventually. Yes. Yeah. No, well, do you know what kind of one of the, the, the best ranking blog posts I've ever written? And it, it's coming up to like 10 years old at this point. And yeah, we refresh it every year and stuff. But it's how much does a website cost in Ireland? 
kind of, you know, for my partner Nick's website design company, Island Website Design, he, you know, kind of, we were just like, what is the most common question that we get asked from everyone? It's how much does a website cost? And it's still number one on Google. Like we do refresh it, we do update it and stuff. And, you know, we expand it. It, it is it is one of his unicorn pieces, but it it's still kind of, you know, even through algorithm changes, it's never got penalized because it's not full of spammy rubbish. And I, I think kind of as web designers and copywriters and content marketers and digital agency owners and whoever else is listening, my mom, uh, you know, kind of we we have this this um kind of this role in that we should be creating engaging beautiful websites. We shouldn't be creating crap that won't last more than six months. You know, I think I think that's on us to kind of rise above kind of the the spam and just create meaningful online content. Because um, it, it does our clients justice, and then it also does our businesses justice, I think. So I, I think we've quickly, I mean, we're like minutes into the stream, and we've we've established already that the argument is settled. We're writing for humans. Like, uh, I think we all knew that when I wrote the title to this, where we would end up uh, on, on this argument. So it's a bit of a false start on there. But um I, I, we both agree in this camp. I think most people will agree in this, in, in the camp of humans, humans win here. Uh, but we have to play the game a little bit. We have mm-hmm. to think about some of these, uh, how, how the things we're writing play into the algorithm. So it's something we still have to be conscious of. And I'll say, um, at the opposite end of the spectrum of the, the spammy algorithm chasing niche income blog type websites, I'm at the other end of that where I literally get out a uh, people in here that have have read anything I've written. It's a stream of consciousness as if I was just talking to you um, because I don't know. That's my we'll call it my writing style and we'll pretend like that's what I'm doing on purpose. And I've thought all this out. It's how I think. So it's how I write. Um, mm-hmm. And I I literally never have any consideration to uh, how does this affect the algorithm? Are people searching for these terms? I'm not doing keyword research when I'm writing blogs. I'm not doing any of those things. So I'm I'm at the other end of the spectrum, probably in just as bad of a way. And that's why things I write, especially things I write for the admin bar, those things are never going to rank for anything. We have one post. We have one post that brings in about a thousand page views a month, which is pretty decent. Uh, I'm not breaking any records, obviously, but I'm proud of that. But it's it's literally like um, how to set up reCAPTCHA in Elementor. It's like a tutorial, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it just happened to work out that way. I didn't do it on purpose. I just needed to answer a question and that's how I did it. Uh, but most of the things I write are never ever gonna rank because I don't wanna play that game or think about those things at all. But I feel like there's got to be a balance there. Like I wouldn't tell everybody else to do it that way. So no. I, I wanted to kind of break this down into some different phases of what what you need to be looking at as t- in terms of the algorithm, kind of in different phases of creating content. So the first phase being research. I'm not doing any kind of keyword mm-hmm. research. I'm not using the tools to do it. Uh, none of that because I, I don't enjoy doing it, but I realize uh, I need to be doing that. So how much are we thinking about the human and how much are we thinking about the algorithm when it comes to keyword research? First of all, massive slap on the wrist. <laughs> He's like, I don't even care about ranking. I'm just going to write stream of consciousness. Bam, read that admin bar. 
little bit just like i don't need to rank <laughs> yeah well i'm right i'm right i'm literally writing to an audience that i know like i know all these people personally and i don't care if there's more of them like the it's ones we have are great i don't need any more of them so i'm not worried about it so it's maybe like an edge case scenario well i think kind of like content is very much part of a holistic you know, online strategy. So kind of, you've got to think of like where you actually get your leads from. So, or, or kind of who you're writing for. So I mean, like the admin bar, we have a Facebook group and kind of, you know, we, you know, kind of, you know, you may write the blog posts and then it goes out on the newsletter. It kind of gets pushed out onto the Facebook group. Kind of everybody has full access to all of the content all the time. And a lot of, of kind of like the new members uh, referrals and word of mouth and stuff. So, you know, in terms of kind of like, are you looking to, you know, increase membership because somebody needs to know how to set up recapture in Elementor? Probably not, you know, kind of that's just a helpful, you know, piece for, for people that are looking to, you know, set up recapture in Elementor. You know, they may not be agency owners. They could be kind of, you know, just website owners that are looking to DIY it. Um, but in terms of kind of like keyword research, yeah, you still want to do it. You know, kind of, I think it's, I, I'm a big fan of semantic SEO and user intent. So kind of if you're writing on a subject, you know the subject inside out and kind of you will hit the keywords naturally mm. because you're covering the subject thoroughly. But I'm going to give a good example of a website that um, I'm writing at the moment. So it is for a wonderful um, kind of cosmetic surgeon in Florida. And um, uh, one of the big uh, offerings that they're, they're starting up is Botox for men. And of course, you know, kind of cosmetic surgery for men is difficult to write for because it's a very kind of niche market. And, you know, it's a completely different kind of user intent than say women looking for cosmetic surgery. And we did a bit of keyword research. And one thing that kept coming up was Brotox. Okay. If I hadn't looked up keyword research, I would never have heard the word Brotox. And, and we're Brotox. all better for that. Exactly. Like, you know, Brotox, Botox, too girly. Okay. I need Brotox right now, but it's, it's pretty much kind of like, you know, you, you know, you may know the subject inside out, but you still need to do keyword research. Um, and of course that'll change as well. Like people are searching for different things. Um, you may think that kind of your audience is definitely going to be searching for, you know, how many pages should a website have and all this kind of thing. Whereas they may be looking how do I increase donations to my nonprofit? You know, that kind of stuff. So it's still hugely important. But the the kind of the, the next phase is once you know what people are searching for is how to actually create the website content around that. So kind of weird, we're not kind of just jamming the keywords in there. You're framing the actual content you're writing around what people are searching for. And you're going to hit those keywords naturally. So it's it's not kind of like, you know, Brotox get Brotox today, Brotox for men, you know, it's, right. it's very much kind of, you, you got to do it naturally. Cause otherwise going back to Google and the bounce rates and stuff, if your website is spammy and horrible to read, people will click off because I think this is a, a big thing with everybody's online nowadays. Standards are higher. Kind of you could, you could get away with, you know, those God awful clickbait articles like six years ago, people don't read them anymore and they shouldn't do because they're terrible. <laughs> so, but so, it, it's, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I guess like um, to, to follow up on that, on the keyword research part of it. So if you had to put a, a balance on how much is, I'm just thinking about the questions 
people are asking me or the things that come up in meetings or what I know is important to my audience versus I actually need to go do research like in some kind of tool somewhere mm -hmm. uh, to see what the algorithm and what, what the data tells me. Where would you put that balance? And like, uh, how do you start that process? Are you first looking at the human side of it and then trying to, you know, you were looking at the Bot Botox for men as an example, right? And then, and then found out later that, bro talks exists, which blow, blows my mind. And I know everybody's Googling right now. So I guess the first question is how do you, how do you weight those things? And then mm -hmm. what's the order of operation? So I, so if I was a, a web designer and I wanted to rewrite my own site, I would definitely start with what I know first. So kind of what, so what is your audience coming to you and asking you repeatedly? What are your current clients, the clients that you enjoy working with asking you repeatedly? Because obviously kind of we're going well into the depths of kind of, you know, user profiles and, you know, the people that we want to work with, the people we don't want to work with. I mean, kind of if you're, you know, kind of you don't want to be putting keywords in that are going to attract the DIYs, you're not going to be looking for people that are looking for, you know, like affordable website design, unless that's your specific offering and your your niche, like, so kind of you, you need to kind of be critical of what is coming up in your keyword research, because there are kind of some things that will not be relevant to your to your industry to your area of expertise. But I would definitely start I keep going off on tangents. I'm so sorry. No, You're good. This definitely is fantastic. Start <laughs> Blah, 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 all day about this stuff. Um, yeah, I would definitely start with what you know. So kind of when when I start on a new website project, sometimes I'll just kind of, you know, kind of sit down with the client and be like, hey, write down um, kind of, you know, the, the top questions that come to mind. Go through your emails. Go through, like, if you have, um, like, you could even go on Reddit or Quora, or, I can't say that, whatever kind of, you know, like people are, are Googling, basically, and the the question and answer forums and stuff what are they asking for and what are the what are the answers that they're looking for as well so kind of you know like with the, how much does a website cost that could be you know 10 bucks do it yourself or it could be 40 grand you know it's it's entirely kind of down to the the target audience that you're doing that you're working with so i think you know definitely start with what you know figure out exactly who you want to target because you're not there to serve everybody there's, you know, kind of you, you want to be specific with who you're attracting and then go into the keyword research, see kind of if you're off the mark with some things, if you've completely overlooked stuff like Brotox or if you're you're bang on bang on the mark with it. OK, so it's more of like a checks and balances type situation. Yeah, yeah. I like I like that better because I don't have to start with like um, I need to write an article today. Let me see what the algorithm tells me I need to write about. I would never be inspired if that was like my process for writing. So, well, do you know what? Like a, a thing that I do a lot is I literally have, I always have notepad and pen next to me. And whenever I'm like chatting to somebody about content or kind of, you know, like they'll, they'll be emailing me over questions and stuff. I'll literally just jot it down. And like, you know, kind of one of the one of the blog posts that I'm writing for the admin bar at the moment is, you know, kind of how do you measure return on investment on content? You know, that's that's a huge question. Um, and that came up on a on a, um, a sales call that I had a couple of weeks ago. So it's, you know, I, I think just just make notes of what people ask you and then start from there. 
Fantastic advice. I like it. All right. So we kind of move, we, we got the research stuff talked about. We move into actually writing stuff. So now we need to put pen to paper or, uh, I don't know, fingers to keyboards and get started writing things. So, uh, when you're outlining an article, I'm assuming a lot of people start with writing some kind of outline and then filling it in. Uh, however your process is for writing an article, uh, are we, still focusing on what the user intent is, what the humans are thinking, what we want to convey to them, or are we already trying to think about the word, the exact phrases we need to work into our headlines and things like that? Is that something we're thinking of in the start or is that later on? So there's an art and a science to copywriting. And I know that means, makes me sound a Give bit Give us like all your secrets. That's all I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, I know, there, there is. So it's, it's kind of with an outline, what I tend to do is I will literally kind of just like, problem solution pitch at the end or you know kind of however you you personally like to to frame you know your your outlines and stuff but i keep it very um high level so i won't even bother kind of like putting keywords in at that point so this is before you even write the actual piece so if you're outlining so say if you're doing a landing page um and it's a it's a conversion piece for like a sale that you're having or something like that you literally have okay uh, like your banner is kind of you know the the end result that they're looking for and then you know you can move on to the next bit and kind of highlight the problem and then the solution and then kind of like pitching like the thing on sale that's the solution and then when you actually come to write it that's when you put the keywords in so yeah it, it's kind of it, it'll go into your first draft for sure because like, I mean, with your H1s, your H2s, your H3s, we all know that keywords are essential in those. There's there's no kind of, you know, there's no debate about that anyway. Um, but yeah, first draft, kind of don't bother with the outline. The outline is just for you to kind of get it in your head, the exact kind of way that you're writing something. And then you draft it. And then you edit it. And then you hope it's okay and send it off. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you would say in your first draft of writing, you're already thinking about play, where you're placing those keywords and stuff. It's not a part of like the editing process when you're done going back and like, now I'm going to think about SEO in this. So yeah, personally, every single person writes differently, but personally in the first draft, I will include because like your H1s, your H2s and stuff for sure. Then in an edit, you can go in with a fresh pair of eyes and see, okay, where did I miss something obvious? Or, you know, can I, can, you know, this sentence be improved with a key phrase or that kind of thing? Um, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's very much a work in progress for me anyway. Yeah. May not no. be forever. <laughs> we're, we're leaning on you. You're the expert. Um, <laughs> what about... What about tools? I know there's like extensions you can put into uh, Google Docs and it'll analyze things and tell you if you're writing for a fifth grader or a, a genius level, yeah. which it never tells me I'm doing that. Uh, <laughs> if, if your keyword density is too high, all these different metrics, like robot algorithm metrics, do you mm -hmm. rely on those tools? So I think those tools are important for sure. Um, like, I don't want to sound like a wanker, but I've been doing it 10 years. So I kind of have a good idea of kind yeah. of like what is good copywriting and what is bad copywriting. So, I mean, like Hemingway app, fantastic. If if you, if you've got a client that's very verbiose or, you know, kind of you, you struggle to keep things simple, you know, the, the rule of thumb okay. is <laughs> your ring is fantastic. Don't worry. It's, um, <laughs> it's all good. 
Um, I think that kind of, you know, kind of the, the rule of thumb is you want to be riding to the level that a 12 year old can understand it because there's so many different levels of kind of what people can understand reading wise. You want to keep it as simple as possible. And um, so obviously certain industries are going to be different because there, you know, is a little bit of jargon or whatever. And kind of, you know, you might be writing about like we had a lovely client who does laser wavelength measurement analysis. And that is a much more educated kind of audience than, say, somebody that's, I don't know, something like kids books, for instance, you know, so it's web developers <laughs> in the admin bar. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so kind of like the Hemingway app is fantastic. And um, definitely kind of if, if you're not comfortable, like with, because here, grammar and, and spelling isn't for everyone, not everyone's, you know, natural friggin' walking dictionary. Hemingway app is fantastic. That's free, by the way, guys, go use it, free. Uh, Grammarly for spelling and proofreading and stuff, also very good. Um, the paid version of Grammarly has um, kind of a... Um, Plagiarism checker as well, which, as we all know, is very much needed. <laughs> um, I don't think the people that are uh, plagiarizing are really worried that they're plagiarizing. I don't think that would stop them. No, no, it wouldn't. No, no, that is very true. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, like, you know, kind of like the keyword tool from Google. Like, that's kind of if, if you're looking to appease the Google gods, use their own their own tools and stuff because they'll tell you exactly what they want. Um if that's what you're looking for. I mean, you know, SEM rush is always popular, insanely expensive. Personally, not for me. <laughs> um, you know, kind of we do use it on some of our projects, but you know, it's it's you know, it's it's not for everybody, especially if kind of like you're a smaller agency as well. It's a it's a very kind of expensive tool to invest in. And then like you get like a bunch of keyword tool tools and stuff on AppSumo and everything, and it's just I don't know, like you can, you can use tools all you like. I think it's a lot of it is down to common sense. Mm. It's the person you know? using the tool. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So exactly. When, when you mentioned the tools that Google uses, so which tools are you talking about specifically? Uh, you know, like the, the keyword research tool and stuff in mm -hmm. the back end of like your Google in search console. Yes. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you can definitely use that. Um, Uber Suggest is quite popular as well. We've used that, um, which is Neil Patel's. So everyone knows Neil Patel and his uh, his little face as the little icon always makes me laugh. Whenever I load up Google, I'm just like, <clears throat> we're gonna change Neil. the admin bar logo to my face and see how that goes. <laughs> it's just the little face with the hat on. <laughs> oh man, it's so funny. But yeah, I I, th I think you know, kind of a lot of it is down to common sense. Like if you think you're using too many keywords, you probably are. Mm. Fair you know. enough. All right. So then uh, we've got it written uh, or we've got it researched. We've got it written. We've published it into the world. What about afterwards? Are we checking on articles? Are we checking all those metrics to see uh, is Google happy with this article? Or are we listening to customer feedback? Hey, you know, I, I read your article and I want to sign up or I want to talk to you or whatever it may be. How do we weigh those different metrics? So if somebody tells you that they really enjoyed your blog, that's fantastic. That That is, personally, I find that better than kind of if it's a number one on Google. Mm -hmm. I know that's controversial opinion. I, but I feel like, the same way. Nobody's read it, you know? 100%. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think that's absolutely fantastic. We had uh, one of our clients, one of his clients, um, actually landed a, a massive project in, in New York. And it was all because, like, he'd been following his blogs and stuff that he'd been writing. And I was just like, 
fan freaking tastic that that's everything that's that's what you want from a, a blog post is to ultimately you know present you as an authority in your industry and get you more clients um but in terms of kind of like reporting and analytics and stuff yeah important like i think once a quarter go in check see see if you have any unicorn pieces that have thousands and thousands of views go in and update them and you know kind of see if you can tweak them a bit make them more better make sure that you've got like a lead magnet on there so that if people are actually seeing it then they're converting because it's one thing to have something as number one on google and just leave it there and then it's another thing that you can actually just get their information and then email marketing and just be like hey do you want to buy stuff from me? Please buy stuff from me. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think about that kind of like I think about, you know, it's cheaper for you to market things to your existing customers than it is to go out and get new customers. Do you think that mm -hmm. works the same way with blogs? Is it is your time better well spent further optimizing some blogs that have already gained traction than it would be to just keep cranking out new ones all the time? I think it depends. I know that's a really super helpful answer. It depends. So like if, if say if say if your plan was to do two blogs a month and you have a backlog of 200 blogs already published on your website, I know who are these people? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but say if you were, so you'd like in in my opinion, you'd write one new blog a month and then optimize another one a month because you're you're just building on the juice that's already kind of there with the blog that's already performing. Um, so I think, yeah, that would be my advice. Fantastic. I, I very rarely go back in there and edit old articles. It's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, I have shiny object syndrome with everything. So it's like I, in the moment that was really important to me and I needed to write about it. And then like, as soon as I hit publish, I'm on to the next thing and I don't think about yeah. that anymore. So I like the idea of having some kind of schedule to go back and check those things. Even if it was once a year, you could go in and be like, okay, what's my top 10 blog posts from my website? And, you know, kind of, are they actually get, getting me more business? Can I optimize them in any way? Kind of, you know, is is it, you know, about something from 2019? Is there an update since then? Can I make this more relevant now? Um, but yeah, I want to shake you for never checking your blogs. I know. Actually, it's so <laughs> rare that I can think of a specific time that I did do it recently. One of my clients... We wrote an article last year that was like, um, should you X, Y, Z in 2020? And mm -hmm. I just happened to notice that like scrolling through their website and I'm like, hmm, I should probably update that. And I literally went in there and just changed 2020 to 2021 because it didn't matter at all. Like none of that was, there was nothing specific about the year in the article. So uh, other than the title the of the article. Well. I'm sorry. Did you change the URL as well? I did not change the URL because I was just worried about messing up. I, and I'm thinking like their audience isn't checking what the URL is. So yeah, that's okay I, then. You know. No, it's just there's, oh, who is it? There's somebody that like updates their like their SEO guide once a year, but the URL is still from like 2018. And I'm just like, oh my God, that just, no. Mm. Well, I'm, oh. sca I'm scared to change the URL. You know, um, that I might, know, that yeah, might yeah, damage I know, things. I know, but even just like, you know, kind of his general advice, don't put a date in a URL, mm. just be like old McGuide to SEO and then you won't, 
you know, get caught out for updating the same thing five years in a row. That's a good idea. I, yeah, th that was my fear was then next year, then next year. And, you know, every year I add a redirect to the chain, you know, that's yeah. obviously not good either. Better no. advice. Don't put the date in the URL. I like that. Uh, if you take one thing away from today, there you go. There's a golden nugget for you today. Um, what a golden nugget as hey, well. <laughs> hey, I, I will take any of those. That would have saved me. So uh, that's perfect. Um, okay, so that helps out a ton. I did want to, there, there was a couple of times we were talking about, uh, you know, getting questions from your clients and stuff. I'm a huge fan of uh, They Ask You Answer. Um, it's a fantastic book. Mm -hmm. If anybody's not read that, that's a fantastic one. Our friends, uh, our friends, Martin and Lindsay wrote a book called Content Fortress. I got it back here. Yes. Here. Um, Very good. This one's another fantastic book. Uh, they're big fans of They Ask You Answer as well. And this kind of uh, piggy, piggybacks on that in a way, but it's this is really helpful in me developing content on my website that I could use like as a utility with my clients and with my prospects, uh, both to attract them and repel them, which is super useful. Mm -hmm. um, what other kind of resources could you turn us on to? putting you on the spot <laughs> pressure oh my god um, you don't know how to read do you no i actually don't i can't speak english okay it's <laughs> all just a front i don't know how to write <laughs> oh god what what would i recommend i mean like you know any kind of if you're worried about writing for the web you know kind of i always recommend oh a good one for auditing old content is obviously a content strategy for the web, which is Christina Halvorsen, which I always recommend on every single freaking podcast I do and everything because it's fantastic. I think every agency owner should have that. It pretty much covers kind of how to audit a site, how to recreate it, how to manage the content cycle. Because mm. I think, you know, a, a lot of agency owners, including my friend here, Carl, does kind of set it and forget it. And kind of like, and it's it's even kind of, you know, a, a great thing is if you update a blog or you update a, a website page, you can email out all of your, your followers and stuff and be like, hey, we've updated this with new improved information. And then it just gets them re-engaged again. Um, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. I That's a fantastic one. one. I don't know that one. So I'm gonna have to look that one up. I got something to add to my definitely list. Read definitely read that. What yeah. else have we got? Everybody Story Writes is a fantastic book. Everybody Writes is a fantastic book. I love Anne Handley. Handley? Hadley? I can't one remember. One of the two. Anyway, fantastic but book. you love her. So I love matter. her. <laughs> yeah, like her, her webinars and stuff of it. She's a very funny lady. Um, the Art of the Click, that's pretty good as well if it's more conversion copy. Um, and that's, that's a good way of kind of balancing conversion copy for humans and also a little bit of SEO up. SEO optimization in the back. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't write. Can't even speak. <laughs> I like it. I, I love doing this. This is fun. Uh, we do we do have a few questions in here. Uh, Terry just asked the name of the book that you just referenced a second ago, um, and now I forgot. Um, content strategy for the web. Content strategy for the web. There you go. Uh, I will make sure to put that in notes so we have all that uh, in the replay here. But I do have a few questions that I've copied and pasted from the chat uh, as we've been talking here. If anybody else has any questions that have come up, go ahead and drop those in here now. I'm watching it and I will get these answered, uh, answered now. So the first thing that came up was uh, Eric asked, um, do you think that we notice we, as in probably the people in the admin bar, uh, do you think we notice the crap sites that are filled with affiliate links more since we pay attention to those kinds of things more than other people do? Uh, I definitely have an answer to this, but I'll, I'll pose this to you. I think we're more aware of it. However, 
I think there's a, a controversial opinion. I think there's an age thing as well. Mm. So a lot of kind of like my friends would be very aware, like, oh my God, this is like a Buzzfeed style article. What the hell is this? Like, I'm just not going to trust this information. Um, yeah, I, I think kind of people are more aware of it now than before. Like lay people that aren't web designers and stuff. But of, of course, we're going to be more critical for sure. Don't ever send something to a copywriter because they'll just rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, that, that title could be better. What is this? CTA? No. See, I, I will agree with you that I think like as our internet IQ, or as time goes on, everybody's internet IQ goes up and we're starting to see like the bullshit gurus and stuff for what they're for. And I think as our IQ gets better, people will start to realize that. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm 37, 38. I, I notice it obviously because... Um, because of the work I do, but my wife does it, completely oblivious to it would have no idea if, if she goes to research something we need to buy, she's going to come back to me with like these stupid articles with a bunch of affiliate links with no idea that, that that's happening. So I don't think we're there yet. Like, I don't think the, the overall consciousness of human beings has realized that that's what people are doing. I think there's still a, a huge percentage of people that don't realize people like write blog posts for money which is probably yeah, that's funny. A scary thing very yeah. much a scary. and i think it's also made kind of like us a little bit more critical of why people are writing the blogs they're writing as well mm -hmm. so kind of it's just like oh can i trust this source of information or are they just trying to sell me something yeah absolutely yeah. i i feel conscious about that all the time because we do you know post affiliate links and stuff um when we first started this group i was doing a lot of affiliate marketing thinking like that's how i would you know, uh, pay myself for the time I put into the group, but I, I realized pretty quickly it's a, it's kind of a gross way to do things. So now I'm ultra like sensitive to, uh, what I put affiliate. There, there's things that I've been testing for a year now and still have not put an affiliate link. Cause I'm not a hundred percent certain, like that this is what I would recommend for everyone, even though it's working well for me. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're hypersensitive to those things for sure. That makes your opinion more trustworthy though. Hopefully. I mean, like if you, if you literally had like a page on your website was just like 40 different companies it's just like oh what, what are you doing what are you doing like if you hand pick like selected things that you absolutely love it's like yeah it's because you genuinely love it yeah and well, that's like, that's what i mean on the admin bar website there's a uh, a page called endorsements and it's got a handful 12 maybe 15 things uh but mm -hmm. they they're they're held to our own standard of like we're paying for this. We use this, you know, all those kinds of things before I'll put them on there. But I digress. Uh, Michael said he's late to the party here and he's sorry if this was discussed already. Headings that match the search question uh, get better rankings than spot on headings for clients. Would you match the exact search query or newspaper headline that is interesting for the visitor taking into account that you would get, taking into account that it would get less traffic? So I guess, is it better to... Uh, he's not saying clickbaity, but something that's going to entice the user to click or something that's an exact match to the query. Depends on the audience. It does. Um, so, and it depends on how it's being marketed. So kind of, if you have a piece that is like somebody is actively um, like driving traffic to it from Google ads or whatever, you can get away with a little bit more creativity in the headline and stuff. Um, from a writer's perspective, we prefer to do it that way anyway, because the, the writing is better. Um, but yeah, if, if kind of, I don't know, I, th I think if, if you can get away with it, then get away with it. But 
yeah, I think it's kind of like Google will take the entire page into consideration rather than just the headline. So you can have a little bit of leeway with it for sure. Perfect. Uh, Nicole asked, should we be putting dates on blogs? So should we have the date uh, embedded into our template? It depends on how often you're gonna uh, you're gonna update your blog. So me sure. never never put the date <laughs> in. Hey, look, oh man, you know cobbler's shoes. Like my blog, it has like four blog posts on it. I have like twenty that I need to finish and publish, and the dates nowhere to be seen because I know that I'm not consistent. I know I should be. That's what I do for a living. It's what our agency does for we, other agencies. But it's okay. We all get that on here because we all have things we need to do to our own websites. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, is this um, the lovely Nicole from Wunderstars? It is. German accent there. Beautiful. Mwah. Pronunciation. Amazing. Um, she's like, what are you on about, Abby? Um, yeah, no, because I know Nicole updates her blog on a regular basis and she's very active then yeah she she could do but if if you're you know kind of I, I think in a way it shows um it's a bit of authority because and trustworthiness because it shows that yeah you've been blogging once a month or once a week for the last 17 years but if you just do it like once a year like me then it's not a good idea to have it okay well that's a good rule of thumb i will say you're really just hiding that from the the human side of it, though, because Google knows when you publish. Oh yeah, stuff, yeah, so. yeah. No, it's just, it's literally just human. Google knows everything. They know everything. You can't yes. hide from Google. <laughs> okay, so good rule of thumb is if you're gonna uh, kick ass and take names and update and publish content regularly, then be proud of the date. Otherwise, you might want to uh, pull that back a little bit. Um, all right, let's see here. I don't see any other questions at the moment, so if nobody else has any other questions. Um, I want to give you a few moments here. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to all uh, talking to all of us about this because I think I've already taken away several notes of things that I'd probably need to get on before the day is over uh, and hopefully inspired me to get a little bit further away from the opposite end of the spectrum I'm on when, uh, when I'm not doing any research or thinking about the algorithm at all. Uh, so hopefully that, that moves me a little bit. Uh, but I do want to give you a few minutes to tell people how they can connect with you. Um, you know, I know you offer white label services for agencies because I take, uh, I take advantage of that myself. So I want to give you time. Uh, you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give you some time to pitch, uh, here at the end of this call. The pressure. I was I not expected to have to be like, was your elevator pitch? Bam. Yep, do it now. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so kind of the content lab. We're based in Ireland. Um, you can find me, Abigail Wood, otherwise known as Abby, uh, in the, the Facebook group of Tab. I hang around a lot. Um, but otherwise, you can find us at thecontentlab.ie ie because we're in Ireland. Um, and yeah, we, we white label for agencies around the world. We've got clients in Australia and New Zealand and Canada and the US um, and the UK and Ireland. Um, and yeah, we, we if it's the written word, we do it. So kind of website copywriting, content marketing, email marketing, blogging, lead magnets, everything for everyone. Um, but yeah, we, we, we do stuff for digital agencies and their clients. So it's a, it's a good old mix of stuff there. Yep. So if you if you have a website project coming up and you know the client is never going to get you copy, you can hire Abby and her team and they will write all of the copy for you so you don't have to worry about it at all. So uh, I can't recommend that enough because we all know that that's the biggest hang up uh, in our job. It's the biggest 
thing making us pull our hair out and all of that. And the solution's literally right here inside of our group uh, in front of our eyes. So definitely I would recommend reaching out to Abby if you need any help with any of those things. Uh, like I said, you can go even to, uh, you might have four or five articles on the admin bars. Web you might have more articles on the admin bars website than your own website, which is hilarious. And I'm sorry I just pointed that out in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but we're friends now. It's so true, <laughs> yeah. So if you go to the adminbar.com, uh, I think it's forward slash blog, but there's a, a link on there that says articles. We have all the authors written. If you click on her name on any of those, it'll take you to her author page that has all, all the articles she's written uh, on our website. You'd also have no idea, but there are articles on there that have my name that Abby's written. So I'll pull back the curtain on that a little bit. They're all the coherent <laughs> ones that probably have like keywords and shit in them. Uh, those are the ones that Abby wrote and I put my name on and the rest that are just like uh, insane ramblings. Those are myself. <laughs> Uh, we did, we did have one more question on here. Uh, we'll get to that before we end this. Um, Jeanette asked, how many blogs should we aim for only just started? So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to assume here, unless she wants to correct me, uh, blogs for your own agency. Um, and how many should we be aiming for a month, a year, a week, a day, how many, an hour, how many should we be doing? An hour. Oh my God. <laughs> just palpitations. Um, so I always, I always kind of tell people like the, the minimum that you want to be doing in an ideal world, whether you're outsourcing it to a company like mine or, you know, kind of you've got an in-house writer is one a month um, just because and, and make sure it's at least a thousand words and um, don't be kind of, you know, trying to fool Google with like a 300 word summary of something and um, you want at least a thousand words once a month just to show Google that you're you're updating your site, that you're still relevant and, you know, kind of you can then promote it on your social, email, whatever, drive traffic to it. Google loves that stuff as well. Um, yeah, that's, I'd, I'd say at least once a month. Like we have clients that blog once a week. We have clients that blog once a month. And um, we do have like clients that will come in with like cornerstone pieces. So kind of like it'll be, I think we have like, a couple that are coming with like 8,000, 10,000 words where it's like insanely in-depth kind of information. Um, and that'll be like once a quarter. Um, so yeah, if you're just looking to kind of keep the site kind of tipping away and updated and stuff, uh, I'd go for at least once a month and I should take my own advice on that. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to hold you accountable on that one. I, I will say, I mean, that's really how I've, I've tried to reframe thinking about a lot of the like things I need to get to in my agency. Like, it, it does make Google happy for you to publish content on your website. You can go back and look through the data and see when you're actively publishing new content on your website, it, it raises the, the tide for the entire website and it's just the way it works. So even if, even if uh, one, one is a struggle, one a month would definitely be much better than twice a year. You know, you're going to make it, you're going to help all of your articles by helping at least get one out a month. And obviously more than that, uh, is better. I, I, you know, not, not everybody's in a position where they can afford it. And I wasn't in my agency for a long time, but honestly connecting with a copywriter and setting a schedule and saying, okay, here's what I need to do. And that's my bare minimum. That's money well spent for me because then I know at least I'm getting the bare minimum done. And if I want to sprinkle in some more myself, because I like writing too, then I can do that. But 
you know, if, if you if you know uh, this is advice for Abby, you're gonna have to hire a copywriter. If you know you cannot get uh, one block a month done, you're gonna have to hire a copywriter. And just it's a business expense. It's something your your business needs. So um, I think that's that's money well spent for sure. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that. Maybe you know we should consider it as part of our own marketing budget. Mm. You know, it's it's you know it's investing in your own kind of your own advertising and stuff. Um, yeah, sounds good. See, there we go. Perfect. All right. Well, Abby, I thank you so much for coming on here and joining us. I know this won't be the last time you do this uh, because we have lots of content questions that we need to get to. And I have uh, the best resource on the planet available to me. So I appreciate you uh, being willing to do this for us. And uh, happy birthday to your mom again tomorrow. Uh, that's awesome. Um, and if anybody wants to connect with Abby, like she said, she's in the group uh, pretty regularly. I dropped a link to her website here in the chat, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes if you're listening or watching this at a later date. And we will catch you guys all on the next one. All right. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.